Hi, I am Todd Van Hooser, author of The Laughing Moon Chronicles, and you are listening to Legends of Tabletop. Hey, Todd, how's it going tonight? How are you doing? Good having me on. Oh, absolutely. I will point out to everyone uh, that this is the live stream for the podcast. So if you're watching this live, thanks for tuning in. If not, you're catching this later. So uh, thanks for downloading. <laughs> so uh, we met at, uh, at RenCon briefly. Uh, got a chance to talk to you a little bit. You were doing a... Um, a panel on world building, epic world building, as I remember. Uh, do you go, do you do a lot of cons over the course of the year? Yep, building. That was, uh, in fact, I think that was the first panel I'd been on for a, a couple of years. I'd taken a couple of years for a couple of years. And, um, yeah, it was kind of good just to get back in the swing of things. That's cool. Um, is that something you're going to, you know, maybe get more into now that, you know, you have not only the novels, but, but the games going to try to, you know, just be out in the public and, you know, get people playing and reading. Um, number of 10 years, Laughing Moon was uh, a very active part of, uh, you know, kind of the Arizona scene, especially, but Vegas and um, out of the, we did a lot of the strategic con conventions in LA. Um, I, I had some personal issues that, you know, life happens, took a step back from everything creative for a while. Art, art one way or another. I'm not sure how that actually goes, but I took a break from it all. And um, I'm back on the scene, um, more excited than ever at this point. I've got some new stuff up my sleeve and I'm, I'm definitely eager to get back. That was something I, I dearly missed actually that, you know, uh, tabletop gamers. It's, it's great. It's so much fun. Yeah. And Rencon's one of the better ones too. It's, you know, it's a relatively small convention. So you see the same people all the time and you get a chance to play a lot of different games. It's, it's that's, a, that's a really nice convention to be at. Oh, Rencon's great. In fact, uh, my group and I used to do it uh, consecutively for a number of years. I missed it, actually. They're great people, great gamers in Tucson. So it was really fun to get back on that scene. Cool, cool. Uh, and, and you started writing, like, really early. You had your first uh, story published at 17? Yeah, uh, I did, for better or worse. <laughs> probably for worse. <laughs> um, I, I think, it, you know, back then, a little bit of talent and a whole lot of luck. And... Um, you know, it, it, it definitely it set me on my way, for sure. Um, I, I always wanted to be a writer. I think a lot of people say that, but I actually wrote. <laughs> you know, I started creating things. I went, to, um, I went to University of Missouri for creative writing. Here I am. So That's awesome. Uh, and yeah. what, what sort of got you into writing? What was it about storytelling that, that sort of captured your imagination? Oh, wow. Um, well, 
I am of that age group that saw Star Wars in theater when I was three years old, you know? <laughs> and um, I think that there's something really to be said about our generation. We have a number of storytellers that, that, that come out of, you know, children of the 80s, especially. And um, as a kid, you know, I, I watched great movies. I heard fantastic stories. And as I grew older, I, I, I felt like I had a voice to add to that collection. Kid, I, I absolutely loved when my younger brother would have his friends over because I would, um, we would play, you know, we'd play our games, whatever that might be. But at some point, inevitably, I would be sitting in front of those kids telling a story. <laughs> and as that evolved over time, you know, um, the dice got involved at some point. And, you know, it, I think that it, path as a, as a storyteller and as a, a game master and as a game designer eventually. Mm -hmm. So you feel like D&D &D sort of, you know, helped to propel you in that direction then with, with just the inherent, you know, sort of creativity that's involved in not only running but playing? Oh, absolutely. Um, I was a storyteller at heart from a young age. What's great about this hobby is that, you know, games like Dungeons and Dragons um, and role-playing games in general, they provide us a platform. They build in a, a unique audience for storytellers. Audience, which is, you know, a very important thing to a storyteller, and they're an engaged audience. And with that, you know, those two things coming together, you can't lose. You know, if you've got a good storyteller and a captive audience, I mean, magic happens. Mm. Yeah, it, it's such a, it's such an awesome hobby to be a part of. <laughs> I always say that, you know, I do this like every week and, it, you know, it comes up and you keep saying to people like, hey, yeah, or whatever we get, like the games. But it's just, it's so awesome to just be sitting around with a couple of people and just, you know, just sharing in, in a collection. You know, some of these campaigns go on for, you know, 10 and 15 years and people will play characters like forever. It's just, it just becomes part of the the, the, the zeitgeist for, for a group of friends. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, I've been doing this for a long time. I, I've watched as a role-playing hobby. I, I hate using D&D &D because I don't personally play D&D. &D. You know, we, we do my game at this point. Right. But role-playing games in general, you know, back in the 80s, we we took our knocks. We had a, a hard time wanting even to admit, hey, I'm a gamer. I, I play Dungeons and Dragons or whatever. You know, there was a definite stigma about it. And now we have TV shows, you know, like Stranger Things, where it's now become a, a pop culture thing. It's it's cool to be the nerd rolling dice. No longer hiding out in uh, you know basements doing this where we're a growing community uh, of gamers that enjoy this you know you mentioned uh, the campaigns that go on for years I think what I do is unique in that idea I, I know a lot of gamers they play you know one shots they've got groups they jump in and out of I have told one continuous story for 20 some years now and what's fun about that for me especially is I'll take my game um, to a convention, new players to it, we'll have a whole new set of adventures to tie into this overarching story that's been going on for you know, a couple of decades now. And there's definitely a sense of legacy of Footprints in the Sand with Laughing Moon that I, I really enjoy and I think that a lot of our gamers, you know, that it makes them want to come back to. Well, that's awesome. I mean, it creates such a rich, 
uh, a rich tapestry to, to tell stories and have that, you know, just a really in-depth setting. I mean, the, the game that you were playing on Sunday and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize the significance before, you know, prior to jumping in, I didn't, I didn't see the messages till afterwards. Um, and, sure. and, and my condolences on, on Pat's passing and, you know, even though I didn't know Pat, Pat's, you know, part of our collective community as gamers. And I, oh, you know, I absolutely. feel like, you know, we all kind of take the hit there and, and, and the game was, was sort of, uh, you know, an homage to him and, and, and his character and, and, you know, starting to be able to tell this. And that it's amazing. Like when I saw that afterwards, I was like, Oh my God, I'm glad I didn't know that beforehand because I already just been <laughs> weeping in front of the monitor. Like, but it's so cool to be able to do that. Uh, it's just really amazing. Mm -hmm. It was it was cool. I um, Pat and I grew up together. I mean, we um, I met Pat when I was twelve years old. For anybody who might be tuning in, I'm talking about my friend Pat Roper. He was a uh, a longtime host of Fear the Boot podcast, um, a lifelong gamer, and we lost him on December 28th. He was uh, a huge part of this community that we're talking about. I. I'm still having a very difficult time processing this loss. I felt personally I, I needed to to pay tribute to to Pat. He had such a, a major impact not only on my life, um, but you know specifically on this hobby and this world that I've created. So yeah, you know to um, to parallel that adventure to to allow my my present day gamers to go back and kind of rub up against the events that occurred at a gaming table 20 some years ago. That was really cool. And neat for me to see at my table that I had hoped for back from a lot of people on Twitch that watched it. They also had a similar response and it really did in a lot of ways. Yeah, it was really cool. And then to see some of the other players in the chat as well, you know, oh, I'm sitting in the corner smoking a pipe or I'm, you know, I'm doing this or that, you know, sort of like <laughs> off screen. Like I, I was like, that's, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I, I, it had always been a dream of mine to, I, well, let me back up. I, I, I grew up in Missouri and I had a, a big gaming group that I absolutely adored. Uh, back home and when i moved out here i i created a new gaming group and it had always been my desire at some point to unite these two and you know sunday night's adventure finally allowed me to do that in a very real sense i had gamers literally interacting gamers that i had you know a couple of decades ago and that was that was really crazy it was really cool and hopefully we'll be able to do more of that in the future too yeah, it's it's cool now. Like I, you know, grew up playing games around a table or in the backyard or whatever. And now, like you know, for the podcast, I don't do any in person gaming unless I'm board gaming now. Like all of my Ooh. role playing is online for the podcast, and it's yeah, it's, it's definitely a, it's different for sure. And it's and it's it's still a lot of fun, but it's yeah. still not quite the same thing. <laughs> it's I I understand. I mean, there's there's definitely um you can't replace with that in-house group you know it's it's great i <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um jump back to writing a little bit um uh, fantasy is obviously your 
wheelhouse. See what I did there. Um, but you've also done some some horror fiction as well. So what, what do you feel more comfortable writing? Or, you know, are you uh, planning on writing other genre fiction in the future or just stay sort of with the fantasy right now? Um, that's a good question. Um, that's, a, that's a very difficult one for me to answer, especially right now. I, I've always enjoyed fantasy fiction in particular and you know I've dabbled in a little bit of horror and suspense but right now really what I'm at, at this particular point in my life is that I, I'm I'm moving away not entirely but I'm moving away from self as even a writer that online or entertainer to tell are going to be live at least in some fashion on Twitch platform for me. I've spent a lifetime stories, whether they're short stories or novels, novels or whatever. Even, you know, my personal perspective of myself into that online storyteller is very different. So way of answering your question is right now is crafting those stories to that live, you know, um, audience online. Okay. So if if we go in another direction down the road, I um, definitely my focus. Okay, well, that's, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you if you had any particular procedure or rituals or whatever when you write, but I guess we'll we'll just kind of push that over here. <laughs> well, I I mean I can definitely address that. Um, there's writers go through their own creative process. You know, I I think there's it's a love hate relationship where very lonely job. And I think that you see the, the peaks and valleys of, um, you know, success and failure and self-confidence and self-defeat that this is beautiful and this is great. And you love everything that you've written. It's uh, what am I doing? I'm wasting my life. I hate myself. <laughs> it's, you know, you build yourself up and you tear yourself down. So I think my, my, writing process was destination, staring at a screen, work, work, work. Myself, I, I found myself to be a, a, an actual writer. And I think having that willingness to go back into the material and, and tweak it, rework it, cut to the bone when necessary, it, it worked, it usually worked to my benefit. Okay. Yeah. It, and it, it sucks as, as a creative group of people that, you know, there's so much, you know, self-doubt and, and, you know, self-criticism and everything is like, you know, you, you create wonderful things for people, uh, you know, as authors, as game designers and whatever. And it's like, there's so much loathing that goes on behind the scenes that most people don't see or don't realize. It, it, it's a very double-edged sword. It sucks. <laughs> it, it does. It really does. It can be, it can be really tough. It really can. But, you know, I, I've been particularly very lucky to have uh, a number of very loyal people and friends that helped build me back up. And I, I honestly don't think I could do what I do without that love and support. They really believe in it. Um, long time, you know, maybe even up to the last couple of years to really realize, oh, this isn't about me. And for so long, it felt, you know, like this isolated process of me writing the stories and games and the adventures and, you know, running all of that. But it, all. It's about this collection of people 
over the course of 23 years now that have created Laughing Moon with me. And it is very much as it, it is as much theirs as it is mine. Reconcile that and I think it it's changed my perception dramatically. Okay. Uh, the Baron 12 is, is the first novel that's set in the, in the world of, of laughing moon. Right. Um, and it came out in 2008, I believe. Eight. So did, so did the game come about before the, the novelizations and, and telling those stories, uh, you know, did you, did you do it like in a D and D setting or was, was laughing moon, uh, you know, sort of something that's been play tested now for, for 23 years. Well, um, you know, I think my world, like so many others, it was a, a homebrew. It was just a patchwork of, uh, you know, different systems that I, I felt like this rule didn't. And by the end, it was this Frankenstein's monster of, you know, <laughs> house rules ever dreamed of putting any of that down in a publishable form at all. That it was for me and my friends. And I was a writer, you know, I, I wrote novels, I wrote short stories, period. But that being said, um, we went to a couple of gaming conventions early on just to promote the novel, Frankenstein monster homebrew sessions, and people fell in love with the setting and asked when the game book was coming out. And that took me very much by surprise. So I, I took a couple of years and put together a game book. Um, now, in retrospect, you know, I'm, I'm in a different place with, with the gaming system now. Wheelhouse, um, it, it is Laughing Moon, but it's the future of Laughing Moon. It's, we're, we're in a post-apocalyptic world, and <laughs> I think a lot of the reason behind that is looking back, I think that the, the system that I finally did publish and create, I'm still proud of, but it's very much just a love song to a lot of older games that I used to play as a kid or as a young adult. And there wasn't the game itself didn't offer a whole lot of unique ideas, especially for a player. I think it definitely does. It, it provides a, a better storytelling system, I think. So I'm, I'm more content a, as a, a, a game designer, I guess, in, you know, in this wheelhouse skin. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, yeah. There's, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with a storytelling game. I mean, that's, you know, it, it's, you know, the fa fantasy is fantasy, right? So, like, what what does a new fantasy system bring to the table? And and, and not that Laughing Moon doesn't stand up, but you know, as as you're kind of going through the process, and you know, people are picking it up and looking at it, it's like, okay, well, what's you know, is how does this relate to the games that I know, like D and D and Pathfinder? Right. Um, and you know, I, I think at a certain point, creators, you know, you're going to hit the stumbling block of well. This has been done, and it may have even been done better, but I don't know that that should necessarily always be a stopping point to to get your own ideas out there. Laughing Moon, Laughing Moon is a, it's a, a story, and I I simply wanted a system that would support that story, and allow for you know myself as well as other gamers to to game, to play, and to create all at the same time, and to feel like they were a part of that creative process, um, especially, you know, while gaming at the table. Okay. So are we probably not going to see a second edition then for, for Laughing Moon as you're moving forward on, on Wheelhouse then? Um, well, I've got a, a Wheelhouse system. It's, you know, the Wheelhouse RPG is its own system. And it, 
you know, technically it is version two of Adventures Under the Laughing Moon. It is the same world. It's the same characters very much. And, um, you know, it, it offers, I think, a much more uh, interesting setting, particularly, and venue for storytelling because of that than what the old system did. And, um, you know, it's I've got a rule book that, that will, uh, you know, eventually be available. And I, I think it's a lot more sturdy and a lot more streamlined than what the old one was. It's a much easier system to simply pick up and play. That's for sure. Okay, and is, is it you want to tell us a little bit about? It? Is it still fantasy? It's it's post post apocalyptic to, you know, the initial setting of Laughing Moon. Exactly. You know, you throw out the post apocalyptic words, and everybody thinks that it's Mad Max, and you're gonna have you know, <laughs> junker cars and shotguns or something. But that's that's not the case. It is a post apocalyptic fantasy world. So the idea is that at some point. In our history, the moon has exploded. We've got just the sickle moon, so we still have our laughing moon in the sky. The world itself has been utterly destroyed and then remade by this mysterious tower called the wheelhouse. And players, uh, especially, I think, veteran players, they get to enjoy the idea of bringing back former characters, even if they died in-game. Um, these characters, any character, whether you're a new player to the game or an old veteran player, you are you're bringing to life a resurrected hero that is brought back to life for a specific purpose. Um, and within that purpose, there's a lot of moral gray zone that they have to navigate. And it makes a lot of fun for a storyteller because you can, you know, you've got characters that are defined by a certain set of truths. And then the wheelhouse asks them to go out and perform a particular purpose or duty, oftentimes that purpose will rub up against those truths and really challenge them as players. At, I think that's where a good game master thrives. Yeah, and it's great for storytelling too, because if everybody just wore a white hat or a black hat, okay, yeah, I mean, that's right. that may be fun. You roll a lot of dice and you kill monsters or whatever. <clears throat> and, and Ross Payton at, at RPPR, like that's his... That's his ballywick is is to give characters morally ambiguous choices. It's like, sure, you can survive this scenario, but you're gonna have to kill this busload of children or whatever it is. Right, and right. It, it's, it makes for great storytelling. <laughs> I think so too. And the fact is, as as players and as gamers, I feel like we can relate to that a, a lot better than playing the White Knight or you know the goateed villain we are all flawed people. We're, we're good guys in our lives. And sometimes we're the villains in our lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, not everyone likes to admit that, but it's certainly true. And I think wheelhouse allows that opportunity to play an actual character. They might be called heroes, but that's just one perspective. You know, mm -hmm. I enjoy well, that. That's like what we see with the walking dead. Uh, you know, if we had followed, you know, say another group through this epic story, then, you know, Rick and his group would, would seem like these utterly insane, horrible oh, yeah. people. But since <laughs> you start the story with them, you're like, no, screw those guys. They're terrible. And our guys are great, but it's okay. It's all shades of the same spectrum. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a difference in saying good guys and bad guys and protagonists and antagonists. And there's there's a, ma a massive shift in that perspective when you change the language. Mm -hmm. 
for sure. And, and, and you're, you know, good in, in the novels and, and the initial uh, um, telling of, of Laughing Moon, of, of having that sort of moral gray where you're, you know, your bad guys aren't, you know, the goateed guy with the, you know, the black hat and whatever. And, and, you know, again, it, it just, it, it tells to better storytelling. So that, that, that's, you know, a, a better story to read, a better game to play. And it, it, yeah. I, one of my favorite things attending conventions, I used to do comic cons often, you know, especially when the, the novels were out and I was really pushing those, but occasionally I would get someone that would, want to come up looking for a sequel or whatever. And I would always ask, who's your favorite character, the Baron 12? And I absolutely loved the few occasions when someone would, would say the bad guy or, you know, the, the antagonist, this was their favorite character. And that was so cool to me that they would, that they could relate to this character and the box that they had been put in that forced them into the situation and, you know, into the, the actions that they, that they performed. That was really cool that they could, I don't know, um, take this bad guy and, and fall in love a little bit. <laughs> then you ask him to play on the other side of the table. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so, so there's a little bit of a, of a gap between the first and second novel. So you took some time off to, to work on the game system and, and kind of get all that stuff squared away. Was there, you know, did you, did you feel that when you were out and about and be like, Hey, we're, you know, when are we getting more story? What's the, what are you doing? What are we working on? It was, it was a tremendous amount of good pressure, I guess. There was, and no one put more pressure on the, the the sequel than myself. And the truth is, it was constantly in the background. I went from publishing the Baron Twelve to immediately working on that sequel, but then it it took a back burner to the game book. And then once the game book came out, um, I, I developed two different supplements to that, plus a. Uh, a series of adventures called the ragged man, which was um, kind of an old school module, you know, a three part adventure that was like a horror fantasy mashup. And I, I love that. After that, I did four different graphic novels, a couple of short stories. And then finally I got back around to completing that, the sequel that was unquestionably the most difficult thing I've ever written in my life. And I think that it is unquestionably the best thing I've ever written in my life. <laughs> I'm really proud of it, but it, it took a lot out of me. A lot. Well, how do you find the time to do all this, right? You're, you're a, a teacher of, of over a decade now, right? You're married, uh, I, you've got kids. You're like, you know, how are you working on all this stuff? <laughs> well, I, you know, back in those days, um, a lot's, you know, a lot's changed now for me. Um, I don't know how I found that time. I really don't. There, there were a couple of years in particular where I would look back at what was done and I, I don't know how I squeezed all that in. Um, you know, my, my life has definitely taken a lot of turns now. I'm, I'm no longer teaching. I've, I'm oh. doing what I do full time, you know, developing this laughing world to push it harder and further than what I've ever done before. And at the same time, I'm no longer writing the novels. So it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a weird trade-off for me because I'm, I'm pushing this story onto this new platform and it's, it's a great deal of work, but in a whole different direction. So it's tough for sure. Congrats and good luck. That that's awesome and scary all at the same time. Yeah, I'm going to need it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's crazy. Um, 
so how was your Kickstarter experience uh, when when you uh, went through and, and were you know looking to to get funded the uh, the Laughing Moon Adventures? Um, Kickstarter was really interesting because we um, we did two successful ones, and you know I got this was you know several years ago at this point, and we kickstarted the Ragged Man, and we had a, a pretty modest uh, goal uh, set out for us, and we ended up just blowing far past that. And I think we were we exceeded five hundred percent of that initial goal, and. I, I really don't know what went right with that one because I think it, there was a great deal of luck. We had a, a really good push, a lot of momentum behind us. But the landscape of Kickstarter has certainly evolved and changed. Making, In other words, I think if I were to go back and launch that exact same type of book today, I think I would be hard-pressed to come anywhere close to the goal that we had back then. The landscape's just so vastly different. And the expectation, I think, from backers has has changed dramatically as well. So it's 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 a challenge for sure. And I have a lot of people asking, well, are you gonna try to kickstart wheelhouse? And <clears throat> honestly, I don't know. That that's a definite possibility, but I just I really don't know right now. I've got to um I got a lot more research ahead of me, that's for sure. Yeah, it's you know, Kickstarter now is at a point where it you know, seems like most people look at it as a pre-order service, you know, and, 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 you know, people wait and like, how many stretch goals can I get? How many exclusive things can I get? Like where, you know, okay, sure. I can back it, but I'm going to wait and see if I can back it and get even more stuff. So yeah. it, it is a really finicky sort of uh, uh scenario where, you know, some things are super successful for, right. you know, maybe no apparent reason. And other things you're like, wow, this should be great. And you're like, wow, that didn't fund. I wonder, like what happened or, or maybe it just funded it, it. Yeah. It's really, really touchy. It is. It is. And timeliness is, is such a huge factor with any type of sales or product that's going to be released. Um, I, I just, I backed the, uh, the kids on bike, kids on bikes, Kickstarter, which looks like a, a fantastic game. It's going to be a lot of fun and they are 100% riding the coattails of stranger things. And I, I think that they, 100% acknowledge that there's nothing wrong yeah. with it. <laughs> but, um, you know, a game like that 10 years ago, I, I think probably would have struggled quite a bit. You know, it definitely wouldn't have had the momentum that it did in other words. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> you know, I'm content doing what I'm doing right now. Um, if we kickstart it, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is, is this whole thing still sort of a regional Arizona thing? You, you feel like you're kind of spreading tendrils at this point, being on Twitch and, and, you know, being able to bring more people to laughing well, moon. That's, that's certainly the plan, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, finding that audience has always been my greatest challenge. And it's interesting because we live in a world that, on the surface looks and feels so very connected, but in truth, it's tough. It's really tough. You know, you get, you've got Twitter and, and Instagram and Facebook, but so does everybody else. And the reality is, you know, we're all kind of looking at our own little sandboxes and <clears throat> not everyone wants to go play. So it's <clears throat> having Twitch allows me to showcase the story and showcase myself as a storyteller in a unique way that I just haven't been able to in the past. Right. So I'm, <clears throat> I'm very hopeful for sure. I yeah. think that we've got, 
with this group, I've got a lot to offer. We've got some great stories to tell. I've got a, a great group of gamers that are fun to watch. And it's just a matter of plugging in the hours and getting friends to tell friends, you know, that's, that's the trick. Mm -hmm. Dragging yeah. people over and <laughs> having them, you know, set back and watch for a little while. Right. Hope that they enjoy. Yeah. It, it's, you know, unlike the, the, the heady days of 2006, 2007, when, you know, podcasting was just sort of really kind of taking root and all that. Now you're just shrieking into the void. Like you say, everybody has everything. And in some cases like double, like I have, a personal Twitter and a Twitter for legends and a personal Facebook and a legend. Sure. You know, it, there, there's only so much time that people can spend doing anything. And like you say, there is an extreme amount of connectedness, but a lot of it is just, you know, superficial, like the number of followers or the number of, it's not really indicative of how many people are actually engaged with, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. Definitely. And that's the trick. You know, I'm, I've been a storyteller my whole life. I spent 12 years in front of kids as a teacher. I know what it's like to have an engaged audience and I know how to engage an audience on top of that. I'm, I'm not just doing this to do it. You know, I, I feel like we do have something to offer and I feel like it's worth people's time to tune in. This is, um, it's been an ongoing story and it's been a great deal of work, not just on my behalf, but on, you know, a large collection of people. And, <clears throat> you know, this Twitch, it allows people that, that sort of window into this world on such a unique, in such a unique way that, I don't know, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to have that engagement, you know, the, the interaction with that crowd. It's really cool. Yeah. And, and it's good that you're, you guys have a storytelling game and, and that, kind of vibe and and you know some and not all twitch streams and we we have a page and we don't really use it because i don't want to learn like 12 other things but um to, to have a story game you know I, i've heard people say you know across social media like oh i found this game and they're actually role playing it's not just rolling dice it's not just fooling around like we're they're actually telling stories it's so refreshing to see that on twitch so you oh, know i'm glad yeah and for me we've spent the last several weeks looking at, okay, we've, we've sort of figured out our Sunday night, the live adventures that we've been doing. What can we do next? So within the next few weeks at this point, we're looking at adding two different broadcasts throughout the week. Um, <clears throat> one of which will, will be another one that I'm running. And then the other one will be introducing another GM. So, and I'll get to actually play in my own game for the first time in a very long time. <laughs> so, you know, we've got a lot of different stories for an audience to find. And all of this is sort of one great big universe. It's all connected. Um, a lot of excuses, I think, for people to, to get into this world and find something that they like. Cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, when, when you were writing the second novel, was there you know, a point when you're writing where you're you know, thinking of game mechanics you know, while you're writing and, and vice versa? Like, okay, people are gonna play this game they need to be able to do, you know, what I'm, what I'm explaining. It, it, was there any sort of like disconnect with trying to mesh those two things together? A, a little bit. Yeah. There were a couple of moments in game or not in game, but in the novel where I, I really had to sort of back down from what my initial ideas may have been just so that if in game someone were to corner me, I could at least point to something in the game book that would <laughs> allow for this to happen. Right. And, you know, I think if I were to ever have to choose, 
the fiction comes first. You know, that's that's the story. That's the canon. Mm-hmm. And um, anything else, you know, it's supplemental. And we'll make it up as we have to. <laughs> you know, there's not a rule for it. I, you know, I, I guess I have the luxury of saying, well, I'm the creator. I'll make one for it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> have, have you ever had anybody at a con be like, I, I, I read all the books and they, I, there's no way that that person can do that. I, I, I do all the things and it, it, that's not going to work. I, I've had a few guys that were like the real rule hounds, you know, the the people that just really, they, they want to break down the rules and follow it. That's just so not me <laughs> that I, I tr- still try to make it enjoyable for them. And, you know, obviously I'm going to acknowledge that, you know, that tendency and that gaming style. Um, no one's ever really pinned me down quite like that, thankfully enough. <laughs> but, you know, if, if they did, I, I guess I would just have them make it up however they saw fit. <laughs> Let yeah. them run with it. <laughs> so when was the last time you actually got to play as a player? So you're, you're excited to, to be able to get a chance to play. When was the last time? That's a great question. Um, man, you know, I, there for a little while, I had a couple of um, internal game masters with our Laughing Moon crew. They would run games. And it, on occasion, I would get to pop in on those games. And that was a lot of fun. But man... That's probably been at least at least two or three years. Hmm. So this, I'm really looking forward to it. And you know, I'm developing a character of my own to play for the first time, and <laughs> forever. So that's that's really cool for me. I'm I'm really getting into it. You know, <laughs> that's awesome. Have, yeah. have, have you gotten a chance to play any other uh, RPG systems? You know, in the in the intervening time, or are you pretty much just playing in Laughing Moon right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love watching and popping in and seeing other games being played. And I I think that's great. I, I just don't, I don't play other games and, you know, I, I read other games. I I try to stay up to date on other things that are coming out. Um, and I'm familiar with it, but I, I just don't have a whole lot of free time anymore. And, um, you know, I, like I said, I did back this kids on bikes, uh, Kickstarter. So <laughs> maybe I'll be playing that down the road. That looks like a lot of fun. I got to admit, I uh, I got to play Deadlands there for a while and I absolutely fell in love with that game. That was so much fun, but, um, anymore, I, I don't really have a whole lot of free time to do it. So if it, if there's a game being played, it's probably going to be laughing moon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I run up to that so many times with, you know, board game designers and, and RPG guys that come on and they're like, nope, it's it's the thing that we're doing. That's all. Yeah. Do. <laughs> yeah. And, it, you know, for me, it, it's a labor of love to begin with. So, you know, I built the sandbox uh, so I could play in it. And here I am still. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, when, when you were teaching, um, you had a laughing moon con. Did that come about from you know, your experience with the kids at school, was that like a school kind of only event or? Yeah, that, you know, that evolved over time as well. Um, I had someone at at a certain point years ago suggest to me that I should put together a a small, a mini convention. And I thought, all right, we'll give it a shot, see what happens. I had discovered that, you know, that age range, the high school aged group, um, they're, they're such a perfect fit for this, this hobby. You know, they're, they're highly interactive. They're highly imaginative. And a lot of these kids don't, they've never heard of it. And 
getting out to you know Phoenix Comic Con or whatever they want to call it these days, um, <laughs> it, you know, it, it's a challenge for a, particularly a lot of the kids that out in the area that I live in. So uh, my goal was to bring a local convention, how, create that convention scene on a small scale right here. And it worked. For, therefore, while it worked very well, we had cosplayers coming out. We had artistic talent. We had a number of artists coming out. I had a couple of authors. We had um, the Will It Make It guys with their cool cars out there doing stunts. You know, the Knight Rider car was out there. The A-Team band, the Ghostbusters came out. It was really cool. It was really cool. There for a while. That's very cool. Uh, did you have any like after school groups for for either board games or role playing or anything like that? Did the did the school sort of allow that extracurricular? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we had a, a, a role playing group after school that you know it's kind of saw its ebbing and flowing over the years. We had a, a huge group for a while, and then it dwindled down, and then it got huge again. Um, and what's cool is that there are a lot of schools that are still doing that. You know, there's high schools out there with their D and D clubs and, um, they're introducing kids to the hobby. They're, um, they're tapping to that, you know, that creative community on, on that level. And hopefully we'll see these kids attending conventions down the road. That's the yeah. goal. I'm sure. I wish they would have had that when I was in high school. I, we we didn't have anything like that that I recall. <laughs> oh, no kidding. I mean, I, I grew up, you know, in the Bible Belt, Missouri. I, I think they would have, there would have been pitchforks and torches, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it is what it is. But, you know, we're lucky enough to live in a time now where this hobby is very much embraced. And you've got kids out there that, are looking for a safe place for their creative ideas. And this community certainly offers that. Yeah. And, and we're really lucky out here in Arizona. I know in Tucson, uh, we've got I don't know, like five or six game stores that, you know, do adventure leagues and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we have like eight or nine conventions here in Arizona. It's crazy between yeah. Phoenix Comic Con, Rin Con, uh, Tuscon, which is more of a sci-fi, you know, literary right. thing, but um, Arizona Game Fair is coming up in about a yeah. month. We've got Crit Hit coming up in the summer. Maricopa you know, Con. Yeah, there's some, you know, there's plenty of opportunities for, for people to get involved. And I love it. You know, it's, we're, we're really seeing this community come together in, uh, you know, a, a big resurgence and mm -hmm. it's fun. It's a fun time to be a gamer. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. There, we're certainly seeing a renaissance in that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Do you, uh, have you ever used meetup to, uh, to, to set up sort of an RPG group in addition to, you know, what you have going on on Twitch and everything else, just to sort of get it out there to sort of bring people in and sort of showcase what you have going on? We um, once we really got our brains around launching the Twitch channel, that that became a, a serious option. But as we began to move forward, I realized that having sort of that smaller group worked better, not just for the storytelling, but it just kept things moving along and uh, I think easier, particularly from that outside viewers' perspective. Um, it's a uh, possibility down the road but at this point you know knock on wood i've got enough gamers in-house that i i just don't have to to utilize it but knowing that it's out there is it's uh, you know definitely a perk okay um and and the web by the way you describe it you know running you know the same 
essentially the same campaign now for like 20, 23 years. It makes it more of a, of like a living style game. Like, you know, like what they used to do for D and D now they do like an adventure league and things like that, where things that happen out here affect things like way over here, but it's not just for a season or, you know, for this campaign arc, it's literally the entire world. Yeah. What a, what I do though is that can be very offsetting to outside gamers or new gamers that I might hope to introduce into the Laughing Moon world. But I try to make everyone aware of the fact that even if you've never played before, the uh, the actions that you perform in game could have long-standing effects. The the convention that I met you at at RenCon, that was one of my favorite gaming conventions I've ever done. I, I always do a series of interconnected um, of, of games. So our Friday night adventure will you know, continue down into Saturday all the way through Sunday and et cetera. Those games were, were huge for the world itself. And we, I, I was lucky enough to have some fantastic gamers on board too. These guys were, everybody that we played with was just amazing. They really embraced the characters and had fun with it. And the, the consequences of those games are still paying off in our current setting. Nice. So that's been, that's been a lot of fun, you know, that, that we can bring this game to a convention, play with people who are brand new to the world that I've never met before. And, you know, a year from now, when, when we touch base at Rincon again, they're going to see their footprints in the sand. They're going to see that what they did mattered. And I, I think that that's a lot of fun. Yeah, that, that's very cool. That's very cool. Um, shit, I just had something that went away. Damn it. I hate when that happens. <laughs> um, do you find, so do you have a nice cross section, uh, as far as people you see coming to play? Is it, you know, like the D and D crowd can maybe be, you know, you know, people who are older, like our ages and up that, you know, been playing since, you know, 1978 Absolutely. or whatever. And it's like, you know, my edition's the best edition sort of thing. <laughs> Do you do you see a larger cross section, or do you see more younger players, or or how does it sort of break out? You know, it's definitely a, a good mix, I would say. And what's really cool, and Rencon was yet another example of that. We had people my age and older gaming with us, and then we had you know our Saturday game. I think we had at least two or three gamers, probably in their twenties, and then we had a couple of kids in their you know mid to late teens that they came on board. I don't know how they found us, but they signed up and, you know, turned out they were great gamers. So it was a lot of fun. You know, I, I love seeing that, that mix. I, I love seeing the veteran gamers come on board. I love having the newbies come on board and everybody's able to interact, role play and have some fun. Cool. I've been very lucky with that. Yeah. Have you ever had an experience at a convention where you're running games and you have had, you know, table conflict or, you know, just some sort of, uh, you know, gamer gamers gate esque uh, shenanigans at, at a table that you've, that you've come across. Um, I mean, I've been fortunate enough not to have to deal with that much, but um, th there've been a couple of events where, you know, we had that kind of oddball <clears throat> gamer th that was there for all the wrong reasons, I think. And um, we were lucky enough to have amazing convention coordinators that were on that situation very quickly. And it was well handled and, you know, we, we didn't have to worry about it too much afterwards. But 
for the most part, you know, I've been very fortunate enough to play with some great gamers with a lot of different gaming styles and not all those gaming styles mesh, that's yeah. for sure, you know, <laughs> and that can be a juggling act even up to today. You know, that, it's tough to, to bring a, a game like what I have to Twitch and know that I'm no longer playing just for the gamers at the table. We are performing for an audience. And with that in mind, you know, you've got to be careful on the type of person that you have involved. Mm-hmm. And that, that gets difficult. You know, it's it's personal, but this is also professional for me at this point, too. So I've got to pick and choose wisely. We'll, we'll see how that progresses. Right. <laughs> do you find now, like, and maybe it hasn't changed at all, but do you find now with um, not only the Twitch stream, but, you know, in a convention setting and things like that, and, and acknowledging that it is – a performance in some regards, do you find yourself uh, GMing or storytelling in a different way when you, when you're on games? Um, yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, I, it's funny because I, uh, I love doing what I do. I really do. And I I've had the, I've had the opportunity to do it for a lot of years at this point, but I get nervous as hell every single time we do it. And <clears throat> on top of that, I am not comfortable in front of a camera so it's it's very awkward to be doing that in front of uh, you know particularly a live audience yeah. on Twitch. Um, what I try to do, and you know, it, it is definitely different than what I used to do. I feel like each story needs to be able to not only continue on to the next chapter, which would be next week, but it also must have its own sense of closure as well. And that can be tough because you know any game master knows that you might plot out points A, B, and C, but you've got gamers that are going to bounce to, you know, <laughs> L to G, back to yeah. D, and maybe we wind up where we had hoped, but sometimes you don't. So <laughs> Twitch is a little bit of storytelling and a whole lot of corralling squirrels. And, you know, well, <laughs> it's fun, though, and I enjoy that. But it, it's, it creates a, a new set of challenges as a storyteller, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, that's gaming for sure. It's hurting cats. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I was watching on Sunday, and you, you know, so you get nervous every time, and you were, you know, just kind of like chilling, laid back, telling a story, doing what? Like I, I would have <laughs> never guessed that you weren't like a hundred percent comfortable. No, just, I. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a certain point in Sunday night's game. You know, that ran very long, much longer than what we had hoped. Um, but despite that, we still had viewers that toughed it out to the bitter end. I couldn't believe it. Um, but you know, at a certain point, I, I guess you hit your groove, you find your stride and, um, you know, you, you relax a little bit more for me though. It is difficult because that the presence of the camera is just always there. And I I'm, I'm very aware that I'm not just speaking to the crowd at the table, that there are other people at, you know, at home watching as well. And of course, that's what we want. And uh, I'm just learning new ways to engage that audience and interact with them as well. Yeah, I want to make sure that everyone's enjoying themselves. Sure, sure. Yeah, we we've come you know across the same thing with you know doing the podcasting. Like if you're playing at the table, and like you know I, I you know I say I look at you, and I look at you. Nobody can see that, so you have to be like you know. 
I turn slowly to my right and I stare at, you know, whatever character's name is. So there's certainly yeah. a different, uh, it's a learning curve. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be more loquacious, I suppose. And yeah. really just kind of explaining things and, and, and really kind of trying to engage, you know, people's thought about it. Cause you, you know, they're, they're going to paint a, 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 you know, a tremendous picture if you give them, you know, the, the proper tools to do so. so. Absolutely. And you know, it's fun because, having this, this new media and the new platforms in which we can engage an audience, it creates really fun obstacles and interesting challenges for storytellers to overcome. And ultimately, I think it's going to help craft those skills. It'll make me a better storyteller in the long run, for sure. Right, right. Yeah, this definitely. Like I said, you you looked like you were already completely. So if if you're only getting better, that's that's great for everybody. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, is is there? <sighs> Fuck, hmm. it went away again. I hate. It. I have stuff written down, and then things pop in, and then they just um, kind of squirrel away. <laughs> I know how that goes. Believe me. Yeah. Um, are you <clears throat> more? And, and I guess you're not going to be, you know, writing for the novel so much anymore. But at the time that you were doing both, were you more comfortable, uh, say, writing, uh, you know, mechanics and, and, and story setting material for the role playing game or sitting down and writing just straight fiction and just telling a story? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> novel writing is it, it's a monstrous undertaking. It's, it, you know, it, it's huge. It's difficult. It's it's lonely. It is anyone who has not actually written a book. And there are a lot of people that they're writing a novel, right? <laughs> I've yeah. met countless people. I'm writing a book. No, you're not. You're talking about writing a book. But anybody that's actually done it, it it's a hard, long process. Um, and when you're, when you're in it and you hit that slipstream, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it in the world. There were, there were days I remember particularly with that second novel where I, I would spend a day writing and it felt so good that I literally would feel that anything I touched with my hands afterwards were leaving letters behind. <laughs> I don't know how to otherwise explain that, but the, the work behind that was tremendous. What I found personally that I enjoyed the most, hands down, was writing those graphic novels, the comic book writing. That challenged me in ways that I, I didn't anticipate because you strip down and lose everything that I had built myself up for my whole life to learn how to write. And then you remove that completely and it's just dialogue. Mm. And you have to rely on you know the this marriage of scenery, the art, and then the dialogue of the writer to tell a story. And it almost broke my brain to, to figure out how to do this. But once I did, man, I fell in love. I, I, I could write Laughing Moon comic books until I died. The problem is finding artists that are willing to, you know, I, I can't afford to pay somebody out to do that. Right. I, I need to be able to, to work jointly with somebody and collaborate. And, you know, that's, that's a, a pipe dream, really. So that's why I'm doing them what I do now. Okay. All right. When you were writing, did you ever have, 
you know, go in with a, with a set idea of, you know, these are the beats I want to hit and this is kind of the outline that I have and then have characters come in and say, no, 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 I know you want to do that, but what we're going to do is this over here. Yeah. Um, yes. is a short answer. Yes. But what I found both as, as a writer and as a student of writing that early on, especially as a young writer, I, I, the first novel, the first draft of the Baron 12, I got to page 400 and something and realized that the story was writing me. I was no longer writing the story. It was going off in these directions that were really fun to write, and really interesting, you know, to, to pursue, but there wasn't an actual story being told, not one specific, you know, avenue that was being pursued. I think that to successfully write, you've got to have that end game in mind. You, you've got to know where you're going and you've got to be willing to sacrifice certain ideas along that path. And it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. But of course you do have, you know, those characters or those situations that show up in the middle of the writing that do maybe take things in different directions. And sometimes you've got to listen to it. I, <laughs> I, I vividly remember writing the Baron 12 and that's that's a big fat book and it took me a long time to write and I was deeply into that like my headspace was very much you know occupied by all this and I would dream um of the writing from time to time and I I remember I I had a dream in which this character was killed off and I afterwards I said wow I I I think this character is going to die and the person I was talking to said, how do you, what do you mean you think that this character is going to die? You're writing the story. Why don't you know that the character is going to die? So, you know, there's definitely those moments where as a writer, I think that you're surprised, sometimes pleasantly surprised that, you know, the, the story lives on its own. I'm going to, I'm going to fire off a quick email to George R. R. Martin and let him know he needs an end game. Yes. I mean, we can see. <laughs> We'll see how that goes, right? <laughs> uh, I can only imagine. <laughs> everyone dies. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> Fuck you guys. It's everybody's dead. The world explodes. Right. right. Oh boy. Uh, what? What's what? So what's on deck for for Laughing Moon Productions here coming up? I know we're talking about um, you know expanding the Twitch and and adding a couple of more games, some more streams going on. What what else is is in the works? Yeah, um, right now I'm I'm crafting our Sunday night adventures from here until I die, and <laughs> we're adding in um, a solo adventure called the Bonecaster Diaries. That's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to introduce a brand new character type for Laughing Moon uh, and for Wheelhouse. Um, like I said, we're going to have another adventure. I think we're going to call it the Meridian Log. It's sort of a, um, and that's not the one I'm going to be. GMing, uh, Griffin's going to be running that game, and the idea is sort of Lost meets Star Trek Voyager, set in our fantasy world. It's <laughs> our we're at a our characters get lost at sea, basically, and the each episode, each game will be us trying to find our way home while exploring new corners of the world that we've never seen before. Um, one of the other really fun things that I get to enjoy and um, partake in is that my best friend is a makeup artist in Vancouver and she is kicking some serious ass right now creating these incredible characters 
And uh, she and I get to collaborate from time to time with different ideas. She just brought to life uh, this dark elf character. It was it looked absolutely amazing. The pictures that she sent were so cool. And uh, we've got a few more character ideas that we're going to be kicking around and, you know, seeing what we can do. I've always said Laughing Moon is all about bringing fantasy to reality. So Twitch, we're able to bring our games to the audience. Um, this cosplay and makeup artist stuff, we're able to bring the characters in our minds physically to life. So, you know, that's that's what it's all about uh, with Laughing Moon. That's cool. Seeing what we can push forward and into next. And, and we can see some of these pictures on the Instagram, on the Facebook page and all that. Yeah. Um, Katie's work is, you know, <clears throat> there's a cool character that's, you know, a model more than likely Katie's created that character and, you know, to be featured on my Instagram, it's just wheelhouse RPG. And um, anytime she's in town, you know, we'll, we'll be creating something, bring something new to life. And she's in Vancouver now. So it's a little bit more challenging to get together, but when we're able to attend conventions together, we'll, we'll certainly be doing that too. Hopefully bringing new stuff to life. Cool. Very cool. Uh, I, I had heard in another interview yeah. uh, that you said you wanted to create a world that was uh, Tolkien-esque in its scope. Uh, do you feel like you've succeeded? Oh God. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I mean, that's for myself. Yes. Um, I've, I've done what I set out to do. Uh, you know, I, I spent the more than half my life developing this world. You know, when I was in college, I, I spent years creating the backstory, just the histories, the gods, the magic, all of this stuff. My, one of my good friends in Missouri called it the Todd Marillion. Um, it was, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the kind of stuff that nobody in the world would want to read, but it had to get done to develop the world that I would create later. You know, I, I don't know that anybody's going to create a world like Tolkien's or, or even aspire to, but for myself, I've got a living, breathing world. I've got a place that people want to visit and play in and read about and enjoy. And as a creator, as a writer, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm happy with that. I, I hope I can bring that world to a larger audience because I, I think that there's a lot to love here. I really do. But I've learned to appreciate and, you know, what I've got. That was always a challenge. I think there, as, a, as a young man publishing a book, there was never enough. You know, there was, I could never sell enough. I could never get enough. There were never enough gamers. It, there was never enough. Mm -hmm. And that was a, a huge fault of mine. I, I was incapable of appreciating what I had right in front of me. And I am, I'm definitely soaking up the love that I, that I have right here and right now. You know, I've, I've got a great group of people involved and they lift me up. They believe in what I do and they want to be a part of it. And what more could I ask? That's awesome. I, and I, I think that's a good way to end yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on an on up note. Um, yeah. Uh, as I uh, thank you for coming on. It was it was a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, the the panel I still have not posted yet. We'll probably post this month because I end cool. of the month is is a little short as far as uh, uh, scheduled guests. So we'll we'll get that one posted next so people can sort of follow up on on this conversation with, yeah, with that bet. panel. 
there's links for everything, uh, you know, in the show notes for, for the Facebook, for the Instagram, for, for Twitch. So everybody go and check all those things out. Mm-hmm. Uh, hit the likes, hit the subscribes. Please do that for us as well. I, we certainly appreciate that. Again, you know, trying to, to help spread the world because if you help us, we can help content creators like Todd to to get their their games and novels and, and all these, you know, different products out and, and really support and bolster the community that we have and, and really get to enjoy because it, it's all about the people. It's all about the games. It's all about that connectedness that we're that we're all trying to foster. Absolutely. Yeah. So absolutely. So I would certainly appreciate you coming on. Yeah, you bet. Game on. Awesome. All right. Thanks everybody for checking it out and we'll catch you next time. Thanks. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.